After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated, I was relating the accounts from the life of Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. In one of the narrations regarding Hazrat Bilal, it states that Abdullah bin Burayda narrates on the authority of his father, that one morning the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, called for Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and asked, O Bilal, what is the reason for you staying in front of me in paradise? I entered paradise last night and I heard your footsteps before me. Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that whenever I call the azan, I offer two rakats of prayer and whenever my ablution, I wuzu breaks, I perform ablution again. And I consider this incumbent upon me from Allah the Almighty to offer the two rakats of prayer. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that this is the reason. In another narration, it is stated that Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu at the morning prayer, that Bilal, tell me about the most hopeful act you have done since your acceptance of Islam. In other words, one for which you hope for the most reward from Allah the Almighty, because I heard the sound of your footsteps in front of me in paradise. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, I do not consider any act more hopeful than that whenever I have performed the ablution during the day or the night, I would immediately perform prayer with that wuzu for as long as was destined for me to perform. This narration is from Bukhari. However, this does not mean that Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu surpassed the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in any way. Rather, it only means that Allah the Almighty granted him the status due to his purity and cleanliness and due to his voluntary prayers in seclusion. Thus, he was with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in paradise like he used to be in this world. Similarly, it was previously mentioned in one of the narrations that on the day of Eid, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu would walk in front of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, while holding a spear, and would then plant the spear into the ground to indicate the direction of the Kaaba. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would then lead the Eid prayer. And so, Allah the Almighty continued to accord him that honor even in paradise, due to his purity and worship, just as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw in one of his visions. In another narration it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that when I was being taken towards paradise at night, 
I heard the sound of someone's footsteps and I asked, O oh, Jibrail, whose footsteps are these? Jibrail replied that it is Bilal. Hazrat Abu Bakr upon this said that I wish I was born from the mother of Bilal and I wish the father of Bilal was my father and I wish I was like Bilal. Thus, what a lofty status is that of Bilal who once used to be considered worthless and dragged on the rocks and now Hazrat Abu Bakr is saying that he wished he had been Bilal. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib whilst mentioning the early companions of Islam writes Then was Bilal bin Rabah the Abyssinian slave of Umayyah bin Khalaf After he migrated the duty of calling the Azan in Medina was entrusted to him However, after the demise of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him he stopped calling the Azan but in the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar when Syria was conquered Upon the persistence of Hazrat Umar he called the Azan. This reminded everyone of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's time and Hazrat Umar and the companions who were present at the time as well as himself wept profusely. Hazrat Umar loved Bilal to the extent that when he passed away Hazrat Umar stated that this day a leader of the Muslims has passed away. These were the words of the king of that time for a poor Abyssinian slave. On one occasion, whilst addressing Ahmadi women, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II quoted the following verse of the Holy Quran. Al-Malu wal-Banuna zinatul hayat dunya وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتُ خَيْرٌ إِنْدَ رَبِّكَ سَوَابًا وَخَيْرٌ أَمَلًا That is, wealth and children are an ornament of the life of this world, but enduring good works are better in the sight of thy Lord in respect of immediate reward and better in respect of future hope. After quoting this verse of the Holy Qur'an, Whilst expounding upon this verse and whilst mentioning Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that there is only one aspect that will remain and that is al-baqiyatus salihat, that is enduring good works. Whatever one does for the sake of Allah the Almighty will remain. Following this, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II radiallahu ta'ala anhu further stated that where is Abu Huraira's progeny and property today? We have no knowledge of any property he had or his children. We do not know whether he even had any children. However, despite not having seen his children, his house or property, when we mention his name we say, Hazrat Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II ta'ala anhu further states, that a few days ago an Arab visited me and said that he was from the progeny of Hazrat Bilal ta'ala anhu. I am not certain whether he spoke the truth or not. However, at the time, I had a heartfelt desire to embrace him, as he was the offspring of that individual who called the Azan in the mosque of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Where is the progeny of Bilal today? We do not know whether he even had any progeny, and even if he did, we do not know where they are. Nor do we have any knowledge of his house or any trace of his properties. Where are his properties? However, the fact that he called the Azan in the mosque of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, remains and will continue to remain in the future as well. Thus, these are the virtues that will continue to remain. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrated 44 ahadiths, i.e. traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And four narrations have been included in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. In one narration, it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that the heaven is eagerly awaiting three individuals and they are Ali, Ammar and Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Once Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was mentioning the excellences of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Whilst doing so, he pointed towards Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu and said, 
that this is Bilal, our leader. Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was mentioning the qualities of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was also sat in the gathering. Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu pointed towards him and said that this is Bilal, our leader and he is an example of one of the pious deeds of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu as he purchased Hazrat Bilal and freed him from captivity. Ayaz bin Amr relates that Abu Sufyan once approached Hazrat Salman, Hazrat Suhaib and Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhum in a gathering. Upon this, these individuals stated that by God, the swords of Allah did not strike the necks of the enemies of Allah on the appropriate places. The narrator states that Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that do you say this about an honourable man of the Quraysh and their chief? Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In other words, when Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu heard them say that they did not take proper revenge, he did not like this, and thus stated that were they saying this about the chief of the Quraysh? Following this, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu then went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and informed him of this. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, O Abu Bakr, perhaps you have upset them. And if you have upset them, then indeed you have displeased your Lord. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu then went to them and said, O my dear brothers, have I upset you? Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu initially presented this incident before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, so that perhaps the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would admonish them. However, Instead, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that perhaps they had been upset by his words. Similarly, how great was the character of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he immediately returned to those poor people and said, My dear brothers, did I upset you? To this they replied, That no dear brother, may Allah the Almighty grant you forgiveness. You did nothing of this sort and we are not upset with you. Hazrat Abu Musa narrates that I was once with the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him when he was passing through Jirana which is a place situated between Mecca and Medina. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu was also with us and a Bedouin came to see the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and said O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will you not fulfill the promise you have made with me? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied that I give you glad tidings. Upon this, the Bedouin replied that you have said abshir, i.e. I give you glad tidings many times before. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, turned away from the Bedouin as if in a state of displeasure and looked towards Hazrat Abu Musa and Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu and did not look towards the Bedouin again. Turning to them, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that I was giving him glad tidings, but he has rejected it. So you both can accept this glad tiding. Both of these companions replied that, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we accept it. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then requested for a bowl of water to be brought. And using this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, washed his hands and his face and also rinsed out his mouth. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated that both of you pour this over your face and chest and be content. And so, both of these companions took the bowl and did as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had instructed them. From behind the curtain, Hazrat Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha stated, that whatever is left in the bowl that you two have with you, save some for your mother. In other words, for Hazrat Umm Salama, Ummul Mu'mineen, i.e. the mother of the believers. And thus they left some in the bowl for her. Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates 
that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that each Prophet is granted seven leaders, but I have been granted fourteen, i.e. double the number. They asked Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu who these fourteen leaders were. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that me, both my sons, Jafar, Hamza, Abu Bakr, Umar, Musa bin Umar, Bilal, Salman, Miqdad, Abu Dhar, Ammar, and Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhum. Hazrat Zayd bin Arkham narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that how excellent is Bilal, for he is the chief of all the Muazzins, i.e. those who call the Azan. And only those who are the Muazzins will follow after him. And on the day of resurrection, the people with the longest necks will be the Muazzins. Thereafter, Zaid bin Arkham narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that how excellent is Bilal, for he is the leader of the martyrs and the Muazzins. And on the day of resurrection, Hazrat Bilal will have the longest neck, meaning that Hazrat Bilal anhu will have a lofty and prominent rank. In another narration it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that in paradise Bilal will be granted a camel upon which he will be mounted. Then the wife of Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that once the Holy Prophet peace be upon him came to our home and inquired if Bilal was at home. I said that he had not yet returned home. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that it seems that you are upset with Bilal. I replied that he loves me a lot and every time he speaks he says he heard such and such from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Upon this, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated to Hazrat Bilal's wife that whatever Bilal relates to you from me that is indeed truthful and Bilal would never lie to you. Thus, you should never remain upset with Bilal and none of your deeds will be accepted if Hazrat Bilal is upset with you. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that the example of Bilal is like that of a honeybee who sucks the nectar from sweet fruit as well as bitter shrubs. But when honey is produced, all of it is sweet. Then Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu's wife narrates that before Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu would go to bed, he would recite the following prayer, that, O oh Allah, overlook my mistakes and forgive me for my errors, deeming them to be a weakness on my part. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to me, that, O Bilal, ensure that you pass away in a state of poverty and not in a state of affluence. I submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I did not understand this statement, i.e. to pass away in a state of poverty and not in a state of affluence. How can this be? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, whatever provision is granted to you, do not store it away and do not withhold that what is asked from you. I asked, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if I am unable to do this, then what will happen? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that this must be adhered to, otherwise hell will await such a person. Meaning that one should never allow someone who is in need to go away empty-handed, and also it should not be the case that one simply holds and accumulates wealth, rather it is important to spend the wealth as well. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away in 20 Hijri in Damascus during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And according to other narrations, he passed away in Aleppo. And at the time, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu was over 60 years old. And according to other narrations, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away in 18 Hijri and he was buried in the graveyard in Damascus near Babu Sagheed. With regards to Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu's rank and status, 
Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II radiyallahu ta'ala anhu states, Some of these narrations I have already related previously, but keeping in view the order and sequence of the accounts, one or two of the early accounts will be repeated. In any case, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II radiyallahu ta'ala anhu states, Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was Abyssinian and was not fluent in Arabic. And so while speaking Arabic, he would make a number of mistakes in pronunciation. For example, some natives of Africa pronounce the Arabic letter Sheen as Sin. Thus, during the Azan, instead of saying Ashhadu, Hazrat Bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu would say Ashhadu, and the Arabs would laugh at this because they still felt that their own race was superior even though the Arabs themselves are unable to correctly pronounce certain words of other languages. For example, they are unable to correctly pronounce the word roti and instead pronounce it as roti because they are unable to pronounce the letter te. Similarly, they would be unable to pronounce the word churi and instead would say juri. Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu further states that just as certain non-Arab people are unable to correctly pronounce letters of the Arabic language, Similarly, the Arabs themselves are unable to correctly pronounce certain letters of other languages. Yet, they were so consumed within themselves by the sense of Arab supremacy that they failed to understand that they themselves were unable to pronounce certain letters of other languages. Seeing the Arabs laugh at Hazrat Bilal for pronouncing Ashhadu as Ashadu, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that you mock the azan of Bilal whereas Allah the Almighty on His throne is pleased with him when He calls the Azan. God Almighty is more delighted by His Ashado than your Ashado. Bilal was an Abyssinian, and in those times Abyssinians were taken as slaves. In fact, they, i.e. the natives of Africa, were made slaves in the recent past as well, and are even made slaves today. However, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was not from among those people who would subdue or humiliate another nation. According to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, every nation was equally the creation of God. He loved the Greeks and Abyssinians just as much as he loved the Arabs and would not make any distinctions. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, loved Arabs just as he loved Africans and Greeks. It was this very love shown by him that instilled a deep love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in the hearts of foreign nations, a love that many Arabs were unable to comprehend. These nations developed a deep love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Yet those who were unable to comprehend this love and were devoid of wisdom and insight, and nor did they possess any sense of loyalty, they were unable to fathom what was happening around them. Hazrat Muslim anhu further writes that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was born in Mecca to an Arab tribe and belonged to the tribe of the Quraysh for that matter which was considered as the best of the Arab tribes, and they used to look down upon other Arab tribes and consider them inferior. And so, what was the relation between the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the Abyssinians? If there was a tribe or people that ought to have love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, it should just be the Banu Hashim. If someone ought to have love for him, it ought to be the Quraysh, or the Arab people, as they were his kith and kin. But how was it ever possible that a deep love for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was ingrained amongst the non-Arabs, i.e. those nations who suffered defeat at the hands of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's army, or were overthrown by the Islamic Empire? There were wars against foreign nations who were subsequently defeated and their reign was destroyed. But despite this, how did they manage to develop love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? Instead, they ought to have developed enmity against him. But before we delve into this, let us analyze the love Prophet Jesus salam's people had for him. When Prophet Jesus salam was arrested and the soldiers inquired from Peter, who was a close disciple of Jesus and whom Jesus appointed as his successor after him, as to why he was following after Jesus and that it seemed as if he was a follower of Jesus. In other words, the soldiers became suspicious that he was following after them and deduced that he may be a follower of Jesus. To this, Peter immediately responded 
that I am not one of his followers, as he became fearful, and said that I curse him. Not only did he deny knowing him, but he also cursed Jesus a.s. Indeed, there is no doubt that the disciples of Jesus a.s. loved him also, and later on Peter was hanged on the cross in Rome and courageously embraced death and did not hide his love nor his obedience of Prophet Jesus a.s. However, when Jesus a.s. was hanged on the cross, Peter's faith had not yet strengthened at the time. At that time, he became afraid of facing a small beating, but later he bravely faced being hung on the cross. Nevertheless, this was a glimpse of how much love Jesus salam's followers had for him. But in comparison, we now turn to those slaves who professed belief in the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and then sacrificed everything for his sake. Bilal was an Abyssinian slave, and his love for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was such that it had a profound impact upon him. There are some people who show great love for their beloved, but it is only superficial and confined within certain parameters. Thus, we have to see whether the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's love for Bilal, who was not only loathed by the Quraysh, but in fact by all the Arabs owing to him being an Abyssinian slave. We have to see whether this love was simply to keep his heart, or was this a demonstration of true love? In other words, was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's expression of love merely as pretense, or was it true love? However, this can only be determined by Bilal himself. We cannot make this assessment. Rather, we have to seek the answer from Bilal himself, because he alone could have determined this. This incident took place over 1300 years ago. Therefore, how could we possibly determine this? And so, if we want to determine this, we would have to ascertain this from Bilal himself, whether he perceived this to be a demonstration of true love from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Here it is not a question of how I perceive this, or how it was perceived by those who lived a century ago before us, or by those who lived a hundred years before them. Nor is it a question of how the companions themselves perceived it. It is not for others to determine this, not even those who lived in the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, i.e. the companions. Rather, we have to see how Bilal ta'ala anhu himself perceived this, and this is reflected by a very concise statement of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which has been previously mentioned as well, when he addressed the people and said, that you laugh at him saying, Ashadu, but God Almighty expresses His pleasure upon this in the heavens. And His saying, Ashadu, is dearer to Him than your Ashadu. Now the question is, that were these words of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him, that His Ashadu was dearer to Allah than their Ashadu, was this uttered merely to keep His heart and for that occasion alone, in order to diffuse the situation, or owing to his deep love for him. What we want to know, however, is that how did Bilal perceive this statement? The conclusion that Bilal drew from this statement was that despite him being a non-Arab, and belonging to a people who others deemed to be outside of the human race, and thus would be enslaved, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, however, had a bond of deep love and affection for him. If we look at a little further on in history, the one who proclaimed that my death is for the sake of Allah who is the Lord of all the worlds, that when he passes away, in other words, Allah the Almighty revealed this in relation to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, new governments were established, 
Many new people entered the fold of Islam and many new changes came about. As time passed on, new governments were formed and many other changes occurred and some of the companions migrated hundreds of miles away from the Arab land. And all of these changes came about after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Among these companions who migrated was also Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who had migrated to Syria after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's demise, and settled in Damascus. One day, some people were gathered in Damascus where Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu resided and stated that during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Bilal would call the Azan and they desired for Bilal to call the Azan once again. And so, they asked Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, however, he refused to call the Azan. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated, that he would not call the Azan after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's demise, because as soon as he would think of calling the Azan, he would be reminded of the blessed era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And he would become extremely emotional and could not contain himself. Therefore, he would not call the Azan. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala was an unofficial tour and happened to be in Damascus at the time. And so the people requested Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu if he could ask Hazrat Bilal to call the Azan. They stated that among them were those who had seen the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and their ears were longing to hear the Azan of Bilal once again and thereby be able to experience the era of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him once again. In other words, whenever they would reminisce about the era of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him they would also recall the Azan of Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And thus they wished to hear the actual Azan once again, so that they could relive those memories again. They also stated that there were also others among them who had not witnessed the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and had only heard about it. Therefore their hearts also desired to hear the Azan of the individual whose Azan was also heard by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he liked it. And so, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu called for Bilal and stated that the people desire to hear your azan. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that you are the khalifa of the time. If this is your wish, then I shall call the azan. But let me tell you that my heart will not be able to withstand the emotions. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu then stood up and in a loud voice began to call the azan in exactly the same manner as he would call the azan during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Whilst recalling the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, tears began to flow from the eyes of the companions, who were the Arab natives, and some even let out a loud cry. Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu would continue reciting the azan, and people would remember the era of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and begin to weep. However, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was an Abyssinian and who the Arabs used for their own services and who did not have any blood relation with them nor any brotherly ties with them. What impact did this have upon him? The impact it had on the Arabs was that those who had witnessed the era of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him were once again able to relive those memories. While those Arabs who did not witness that era also became extremely emotional upon recalling the accounts they had heard of that era, or they became emotional due to observing the state of the emotions of others at the time. However, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was not an Arab and was a former slave, what impact did this azan have upon him? It is said that upon concluding the azan, Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu fainted. Such was the impact it had on him. And after just a few minutes, he passed away. This was the testimony given by those non-Arabs themselves to the claim of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he held no distinction between an Arab and a non-Arab. This indeed was the greatest testimony by the non-Arabs themselves of the great love and affection they had for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The demonstration of this deep love was a true and practical testimony of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saying that an Arab and a non-Arab were of an equal status.
This was the testimony given by the non-Arabs who heard the loving call of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the profound impact of what they had witnessed convinced them that even their own people could not grant them as much love as the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had for them. This was Sayyidina Bilal, our leader, who established such lofty standards of one's love and loyalty for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and instilling the oneness of Allah the Almighty in the heart, and its practical demonstration that these have become a pure and holy model for us to emulate. Likewise, the accounts of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's love and affection for this devotee of his, are such that not a single example of it can be found anywhere in the world. And it is this very example that can establish a spirit of love, harmony and brotherhood in our society and break the shackles of slavery. Even today, our salvation can only be found by establishing the oneness of God and by demonstrating those examples of love for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. May Allah the Almighty enable us to do so. The accounts of Hazrat Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu come to an end today. I will now also mention details of some of those members who have recently passed away and will also lead their funeral prayers in absentia. The first mention is of Maulana Talib Yaqub Sahib, son of respected Tayyib Yaqub Sahib, who was a missionary in Trinidad and Tobago. He passed away on 8th September at the age of 63. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Right from his childhood, he was inclined towards religion. He was a native of Trinidad, and from an early age, he would offer the five daily prayers, recitation of the Holy Quran, and had an interest in reading Islamic literature. After completing his early education, he got a job in British insurance. However, after completing his O-levels, he dedicated his life on 13th January 1979 and enrolled in Jamia Ahmadiyya Rabwa. He graduated from Jamia Ahmadiyya with a Shahid degree in 1989. His marriage took place in 1987 with respected Sajida Shaheen Sahiba, the daughter of Mirza Manavar Ahmed Sahib Darvesh and former Nazri Allah of Qadiyan. His wife is the granddaughter of Hazrat Bai Mirza Barkat Ali Sahib anhu, who was a companion of the Promised Messiah the deceased's first appointment after completing Jamia was in Zaya, Africa, and he had the opportunity to serve for approximately three years from 1989 to 1992. He then had the opportunity to serve as a missionary in Guyana from 1993 to 1997, and thereafter he was posted to Ghana, where he served from 1997 to 2004 in the Kofirudwa and Kumasi region. While serving in Ghana, he became extremely ill, and after he recovered, he was then transferred to Trinidad and was appointed in the Free Port Jamaat, where he continued to serve till his last breath. The deceased served with utmost sincerity in various countries of the world, and through his knowledge and experience, he would convey the teachings of Islam to others. Wherever he was appointed, he had established a personal connection with every member of the Jamaat, and he had a bond of great love for the members of the Jamaat, and likewise, the members of the Jamaat also had a bond of great love for him. Since the last few years, he was suffering from kidney problem and had to go into hospital three times a week for dialysis treatment. But he never let this be a hindrance in any Jamaat program. He was extremely righteous, humble, softly spoken, patient, obedient, caring, and would always greet everyone with a smile. Apart from observing his obligatory prayers, he would regularly offer the tahajjud prayer and recite the Holy Qur'an. And it was also his habit to offer eight rakat of nawafil before going to sleep every night. He would always ensure that the traditions of the Jamaat were strictly adhered to. And he would also encourage his family members to adopt these virtues as well. He met everyone in a very loving manner. And he is survived by his wife, a son, Nasir Yaqub, and two daughters, Amna Yaqub and Adila Yaqub. He also had two brothers and three sisters. Some of them are in Trinidad and others reside in Australia.
One of his sister-in-laws, Helen Yaqub Saiba, writes that I did the bad 30 years ago and when Mulana Saib came to Trinidad, he would always teach me new things about my faith in a very loving manner. And as a result of this, my passion to learn about my faith further increased and he would be extremely pleased at this. And she further states that due to the conduct of Talib Yaqub Saib, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, my son Tayyib Yaqub has decided to become a missionary and is currently studying in the second year of Jamia Ahmadiyya, Canada. Then an Ahmadi doctor who serves in Trinidad says regarding when he was ill that the deceased possessed great morals and every single doctor or nurse who took care of him was greatly impressed by his morals. Although he was a patient himself, but if there was shortage of space in the hospital, he would stand up himself if anyone came and offer them space. He was an example for all the other patients and doctors and for everyone. Then the missionary in charge of Trinidad and Tobago writes that he had truly adopted the distinctive features and qualities of being a missionary. He was always at the forefront when it came to obedience to Khilafat. He obeyed all the instructions of those in charge and he would make every effort to fulfill whatever task was assigned to him. He had boundless love for Allah the Almighty, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and the promised Messiah He was regular in reciting the Holy Quran and offering the Tahajjud prayers. Qasid Varaj, the missionary in Trinidad, writes that when I was posted in Trinidad, Molana Sahib's health was quite weak and was also elderly. Qasid Sahib is young and after recently graduating from Jammi Ahmadiyya, Canada, he has been sent there two or three years ago. And so he writes that after a few days, Molana Sahib travelled for 15 minutes with his wife and son to meet me and treated me with great kindness. He further writes that then every two or three days he would message or call to ask me about my needs because I had newly arrived. He would have given advice and information as well, no doubt. He further writes that he would meet the young and old alike with love and affection and he always encouraged others to form a bond with the institution of Khilafat and to pray for the Khalifa of the time. Mulana Sahib's daughter has written as well that he would constantly tell me that I should always write to the Khalifa for prayers before any exam or before any other task. Munir Ibrahim Sahib and Ahmadi there writes that whenever we would go somewhere to do tabligh, i.e. propagate the message of Islam, Mulana Sahib would always turn up and distribute the work saying I should go to the north and he will go to the south so that the message of Ahmadiyyat could be conveyed to as many people as possible and he would always have a smile on his face. The young missionaries and other people who worked with him have also written that even when someone carried out a small task towards the progress of the community or in conveying the message, he would become so jubilant and praise them greatly. And everyone who has written has mentioned that Mulana Sahib was always smiling. During his years as a student, if there had been any altercation between friends, he would always reconcile and make peace between them, saying that we are Ahmadis and we should not harbour any resentment in our hearts for our brothers. I also witnessed that he always had a smile on his face. He had boundless devotion to Khilafat and just as I have said, that his children have mentioned that Mulana Sahib would always encourage them to establish a connection with Khilafat and to write letters to the Khalifa of the time. Narish Sahib, a new Ahmadi, writes that I would go to different non-Ahmadi mosques in search of the true Islam. When I met Mulana Talib Sahib, I began to have a really good impression, even before listening to any argument. This is the reason why he then pledged his allegiance. In any case, Talib Yaqub Sahib fulfilled his oath with perfect conviction and never presented any excuse. He always said that he shall work wherever the Khalifa places him, whether he was told to remain in Pakistan and be posted there, or whether he would not return to his country, he was always prepared.
Furthermore, whilst he was in Pakistan, he made practical efforts to prepare himself by learning Punjabi in case he was posted in Pakistan and therefore he would have to deal with people who spoke Punjabi. So this is why he continued to learn Punjabi. May Allah the Almighty have mercy on him and elevate him in status and may Allah the Almighty keep his wife and children under his protection and enable them to continue his good works. The next funeral is of Engineer Iftikhar Ali Qureshi Sahib, who was the former Vakilul Mal Salis and deputy head of Majlis Tariq Jadid. Allah the Almighty granted him a very long life and he passed away at the age of 99 on 3rd June. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Iftikhar Ali Sahib's father was Mumtaz Ali Qureshi Sahib. He was a veterinary doctor by profession. And Iftikhar Ali Sahib was born in Meerut, India, where he also obtained his primary and higher education. He then joined the Thompson Engineering College, Rurki, and completed his graduation in civil engineering in 1944. It was during his time as a student that he joined the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. At the time, his father was not an Ahmadi. So Iftikhar Ali Sahib himself studied the books of the Promised Messiah, salam and it was after this research that he accepted Ahmadiyyat. He received the message of Ahmadiyyat through his uncle Mukhtar Qureshi Sahib and his father Munshi Fiyaz Ali Sahib. Iftikhar Qureshi Sahib lived with his uncle Turab Ali Sahib due mainly to his education and Turab Ali Sahib was also not an Ahmadi. But Mukhtar Ali Sahib and his father would often visit Turab Ali Sahib in the town of Saraba Meerut. And in this way, Iftikhar Ali Qureshi Sahib would receive the Ahmadiyya literature from these pious people. The community in Delhi would also publish small leaflets, which Iftikhar Ali Sahib would also take and read. He would read all this literature whilst travelling and then hand it to his father. When Iftikhar Ali Sahib had admission to Thompson College, his uncle Mukhtar Qureshi Sahib began to regularly send him detailed letters regarding the message of Ahmadiyyat. Iftikhar Ali Sahib would also reply to these letters in detail. In that time, he also had the opportunity to offer the Tahajjud prayers and pray extensively. Yet his heart was still at unease and full of worry. And so he expressed this once to Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II and posed a few questions. Hazur wrote the answers in reply to him saying, Your questions are short but comprehensive, so to reply by mail is difficult. You should study this particular book of mine. Iftikhar Ali Sahib obtained this book from his uncle Mukhtar Ali Sahib and then began to read it. As he continued studying the book, he received the answers to his questions and in November 1941 he pledged his allegiance in writing through a letter. In 1942, he attended the Jalsa in Qadiyan and was very moved by the atmosphere in Qadiyan. He listened to the speeches of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II very attentively and pledged his allegiance there once again. And in this way, he had the opportunity to perform the bath in person. Thereafter, he attended the Jalsa in Qadiyan every year, and he also had the blessed opportunity to meet Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II and he would ask His Holiness whatever questions he had and will return full of faith and certainty having received the answers. He began his government service in India and continued to work there up until the establishment of Pakistan. In 1951, he migrated and then began working in the Department of Irrigation and Energy in Pakistan. In the course of his service, he was transferred to many cities and he worked with great sincerity. He progressed from a junior engineer to chief engineer, and in fact, for some time he was appointed as the Secretary of Irrigation and Energy for the Government of Punjab. He then advanced to the stage of being the Secretary, and he was able to serve his country of Pakistan in a very honourable and significant capacity. He retired in 1983, after which he dedicated his life for the service of Islam, before this, in 1980, upon returning from his trip to Spain, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III, rahimahullah, 
established the International Association of Ahmadi Architects and Engineers and appointed Iftikhar Ali Qureshi Sahib as its first chairman. He was serving as a chief engineer at the time. Then after his retirement, he applied to dedicate his life, which Hazrat Khalifa Masih III Rahimahullah approved. And after this, in 1983, he was appointed as Vakilul Mal Salih Tariq Jadid. Also, from 1980, when he was appointed to the position, he would continually be elected and served as a central chairman of the Association of IEEE for around 25 years. The deceased was also able to render many services during the Khilafat of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, Rahimahullah. He built the Butul Hamd quarters and other Jamaat buildings in Rabwa as well. He was also in charge of the department which oversaw new developments. And he was also made the chairman of various projects such as the Fazl Umar Hospital, Jamia Ahmadiyya, Khilafat Library, etc. Similarly, he had the opportunity of serving as director of fazl umar Foundation. In 2007, I appointed him as the Vice President of Majlis Tariq Jadid, and he served with great integrity, zeal and effort. He witnessed the era of four Khalifas and always proved to be obedient and full of love. He was quiet in nature and kept to himself and he was able to serve as a life devotee for 37 years. He was extremely selfless in his work. I have also worked with him. Allah the Almighty granted him two sons and three daughters. One of his sons is an architect and one of his daughters is a lady doctor. May Allah the Almighty treat him with mercy and forgiveness and enable his progeny to keep his virtues alive. The third funeral is of Razia Sultana Saiba, who was the wife of Molvi Hakim Khurshid Saib. She passed away at the age of 81. She was the daughter of Sheikh Allah Bakhsh Sahib, ta'ala anhu, a companion of the promised Messiah. From a young age, she was very regular in offering her prayers and fasting. She lived her entire life with simplicity and humility and was very hospitable. Her husband, respected Hakim Molvi Khurshid Ahmad Sahib, was serving as Sadr Amumi, and during this time various meetings would be held in their home and she would tend to all the guests. In 1984, respected Molvi Sahib was honoured to be a Sirane Rahimullah, a prisoner in the way of Allah, and she endured this time away from her husband with great patience and fortitude. In fact, she would prepare food for many people and send it to the jail every day. She kept her virtuous deeds discreet and she helped many poor children get married and helped raise many poor children as well. And all those close to her have said that she was an extremely loving person. She was a Musia, a part of the institution of al Wasiyat. She is survived by her daughter. May Allah the Almighty treat her with mercy and forgiveness. The next funeral is of respected Tahir Ahmad Sahib, son of Muhammad Mansoor Ahmad Sahib, who was serving as the Naib Nazir Batul Mal Qadiyan. He passed away on the 28th of May as a result of liver cancer at the age of 57 at Noor Hospital in Qadiyan. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. The disease was originally from Hyderabad and after graduating from Jamia Ahmadiyya Qadiyan, he served from September 1989 until his demise in May 2020 in various capacities. The entirety of his time in service was in offices of finance. Baitul Mal Ahmad for seven years, Nizamat Mal Vakfe Jadid for nine years, then as Inspector Baitul Mal, then Naib Nazim Mal Vakfe Jadid for three years, then Nazim Mal Vakfe Jadid for eight years, and then served as Naib Nazir Baitul Mal for two years. He was a very sincere, simple, sociable and compassionate servant of the community. He travelled far and wide in India and introduced people to the financial system of the Jamaat and helped them be a part of it. 
And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, as a result of these trips and his efforts, there was a significant increase in the budget of Waqf al-Jadid. The deceased was a Musi, i.e. part of the institution of Al-Wasiyyat. He is survived by his elderly parents, his wife and two sons. He was the eldest son-in-law of Mawlana Muhammad Karim Shahid Sahib, Sadr Qazabur Qadiyan, and the cousin of Inam Ghori Sahib, Nazri Allah Qadiyan. And one of his brothers is serving as a missionary in Qadiyan. May Allah the Almighty grant him his mercy and forgiveness and protect his children. The next funeral is of Aqil Ahmed, son of Mirza Khalil Ahmed Beg Sahib, who is serving as a teacher at the International Jamia in Ghana. Aqil Ahmed was visiting Pakistan, where he was diagnosed with a yolk sac tumour, and by divine decree he passed away after a short bout of illness at the age of 13. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. Even during his childhood, he was regular in offering salat in congregation and took care of children younger than him. He was a very virtuous and obedient child. He was able to memorize six parts of the Holy Quran from Madrasatul Hifz in Ghana. He is survived by his parents and two sisters, Adila and Shakila, who are both Vakfatino. His father, Mirza Khalil Beg Sahib, is serving at the International Jamia in Ghana. Another teacher at Jamia, Nasir Ahmed Sahib, writes from Ghana that Akil Ahmed possessed a very loving and charming personality. His smiling face will always be remembered. He was a very innocent and obedient child. He was regular in offering salat in congregation and was very attached to the Holy Quran. For the past few years, aside from his routine studies, he was memorizing the Holy Quran and every day after the Maghrib prayer, he would eat and then go to the mosque and revise his lessons. And after completing his schoolwork, he would always memorize a portion of the Holy Quran before going to sleep. He would say that he wanted to serve the Jamaat as a missionary when he grew up. May Allah the Almighty elevate his station and enable his parents and sisters to bear this loss. I would also like to say that these days funerals cannot be held here and many people write to me requesting me to lead funeral prayers. However, these funerals cannot be offered during the Friday sermon as it would require a lot of time. Even if just the names were read out, it would take a very long time. Therefore, I am only able to lead the funeral prayer in absentia of some people and I do receive the requests of others, and I would like to tell them that without specifying their names, that whenever I lead funeral prayers in absentia, they are included as well. May Allah the Almighty treat them all with mercy and forgiveness. And for those who have written requests for me to lead funeral prayers, may Allah the Almighty grant them and their families patience and forbearance, and enable them to keep alive the virtues of their deceased. I will offer all these funeral prayers in absentia after the Friday prayer, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, وَمِنْ سَيِّعَاتِ عَمَالِنَا مَنْ يَعْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ اللَّهُ Ibad Allah Rahimakumullah In Allah Yamaru Biladri Walisani Waita Idil Purba Wayanhaanil Fushai Walmunkari Walbari Yaizukum Walakum Tadakaru Uskurullah, 